The Holy Gospel according to John, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham, and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And please be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Hmm. What are you in bondage to this morning? What keeps you up at night? What angers you? What, what gets your, your blood boiling? What causes you the most regret, the most shame, the most guilt? What has established power over you? What has taken control of you? Or what has done none of these things? How often has it been that you've joined William Ernest Henley? In repeating that mantra, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. What has feigned freedom to you? What has galvanized you to laugh in the face of death or sneer at the failings of others? What has caused you to become the children of Abraham, as it says here, verse 33, we are descendants of Abraham, and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Never been slaves. These are the very people who, who their statement of faith begins there with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Never mind the fact that right now they are living under the thumb of Rome as Jesus is speaking to them. Not allowed to, to live as they want, do as they want in, in the sense of true freedom, having, having self-rule versus the, the, the rule of Rome over them. And they have the audacity to say, We've never been slaves to anyone. How often is that us? Because slavery comes in many shapes and or sizes. And it usually is attached to who is our God. Who God has become for us. What has become a God for us. Luther, 
in the large catechism, of course, it's Reformation Sunday, so I, I should talk about Luther anyways. I should talk about the Reformation, right? So, so just bear with me. In the large catechism, he says, whatever you trust in the most, that is your God. Whatever, whatever you love above all things, that's your God. Whatever, whatever you fear more than anything else, that is your God. Basically saying, whatever you think about the most often, that has, has become your God. And so it is essential that we hear Jesus this morning say, the Son makes you free. You're free indeed. How does this verse speak to you this morning? Because one of the things that, that, that Luther gave us is, is that this verse, like all scripture, comes to us in two words, either one, law, or the other, gospel. Law and or gospel. And here we have this, this, this verse coming to us, maybe in, in a way of saying, what are you talking about, be made free? You, 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 you don't understand this, this necessity of, of, of freedom, and yet Jesus speaks to us here and says, those of you who commit sin are slaves to sin. And, and we can even go to our text that we had in Romans 3 where Paul tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we are slaves to that. Isn't that what we confess when we have confession and absolution? I'm, bondage in to, I'm in bondage to sin and I cannot free myself. I've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I've done and by what I've left undone. It's confession. And yet Paul gives us the sweetest of all words, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Because see, when it comes to you as law, harming you because you can't imagine the notion of the necessity of being free, but then it comes to you as gospel because maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and you were saying, man, pastor, I need to hear that. Tell it to me again. What is Jesus saying? Oh, yeah. I'm free. The law spoke to me impressively this past week. Because you see, the law doesn't necessarily come to us as just the, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. We always want to make it as that. No, the law comes to us as any demand upon us. doesn't matter what it is a demand to measure up, to conform, uh, uh, to be righteous, to, to do justice, to be perfect and holy. It is a word that comes to you in your dreams and knocks you down a peg, humbles you, humiliates you, makes you realize you are not God and never will be. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Well, over this past week in our household, we've been in college application and FAFSA purgatory. Many, many of you may remember that, right? This place in which you're, you're sitting here with your daughter a week ago, spending hours working on an application to college, and you sit here and it strikes you. That what your daughter is doing is she's filling out all this information to have people decide about her value, decide about her worth, to be placed in the scales and to be weighed and to be measured. 
Because is that not what happens? Trying to have people make a decision about her on whether she's worth it or not. Never mind then the FAFSA, where you spend all this time filling out the FAFSA, this thing that, that helps to tell you, you know, whether you're going to qualify for grants and, and, and loans and scholarships and all these other things. And you get done and it gives you a number to inform you of what your value is. And you look at that number and you go, that's it? Is that all? And I begin to think about all our young people, 17 years old, being shoved into such a circumstance where they are having to discern their value. Someone telling them, well, this is how much you are worth. And I think of even those of you who are older here. How often has it been in your life that you have been weighed and you have been measured and maybe even been found wanting? And here I spend a week with my daughter and we are discovering that the law is coming to us in such slavery as this. And we need to hear You're free indeed. Second was yesterday, my daughter had her last swim meet of her high school career sections up in Bemidji. And she did a good job. She really did a good job. And it was was different this year in many ways. I'll get to that in a second. But I'm sitting there and I'm noticing all these swimmers swimming and these girls that my daughter has swam with for years now. And you, you know the ones that they work harder than anybody. They put in all sorts of effort and then they get in the pool and they don't receive the prize. I've coached sports for a long time and I had athletes just like that who outworked everybody, but they did not have the gifts. They did not have the abilities that other athletes had and so... They would work and work and work and then they would show up and receive no benefits, really. They wouldn't receive the prize. And I started to think, isn't that life for us? Never mind the fact that this year with the COVID season, normally with, with, with sections, it's like you, you're, you have many Olympics. You think it's awesome. It's two days. You have prelims and you have finals and, and everybody's swimming head-to-head against each other and it's just a huge, big to-do. Well, this year they had it split up. So many teams swimming here and so many teams swimming there and so many teams swimming over there and, and you didn't even know what the results were. You just had to go out and swim your hardest and hope that, that you, you met a particular standard. Is that not life? We work and we work and we work and we toil and we labor never to know what the result is going to be. Reminds me of Genesis chapter 3 where it's after the apple and God comes to Eve and says, you're going to have kids. That's going to hurt. Comes to Adam and says, you're going to toil over the ground but it's not going to come forth the way it did. It's going to be hard. It's going to be trouble. And you'll realize you're not God. 
telling us that you're going to labor and labor and labor and you're not going to see some fruit. And I think of, of that, that promise to Eve and how many of us as parents and grandparents, we pray and we toil over wanting to have things go well with our kids. And yet they're at the mercy of their own decisions and at the mercy of others. But then I think even more so we toil in prayer for them that they might believe live a life of faith connected to the church, connected to their Jesus. And how often is it that we discover over time that they choose another way? We toil and we mourn over that. We beg that it would be different. Slavery. And yet Christ says you are free. Well, lastly, we're at the swim meet. And my wife got a call. She got called into work. She's an RN at a nursing home in Park Rapids. They've been having some major issues with the virus and with some staffing stuff. And so she ended up having to go in. And we had to leave the meet early. We, we stayed long enough to see our daughter's last race, and then we had to leave. And, and at first, uh, you could feel the eyes of the uh, other parents from the team staring at you judging you as, as bad parents, as bad teammates, as not being supportive of their kids. You know, I'm confessing to you right now, um, so please forgive me. Um, but then at the same time, sitting there with my wife and realizing she has obligations. There's expectations upon her for her job, for her vocation. And she's in a way enslaved to that vocation. She's actually enslaved to the mortality of others. The fact that people get to a point where they have to have other people care for them. And if people are not there to care for them, then the worst can happen that that life will end. And she is enslaved by her vocation in that way. She is not free. Because what she wanted to do is she wanted to sit at that swim meet. She wanted to watch her daughter swim for the last time. And she wanted to cheer on the girls that we've watched swim these last five years together. And we couldn't. Because we had to go. And it made me sit here and wonder, how free are we, really, in life? How free are we? We end up with frustration and fear and and even some anger because of that, over that issue of mortality, over this issue of death that will come, old age, illness comes, and others are enslaved to the necessity of caring for you and yours. And they would rather do something else on their day off, but God has called them to something else. We as Christians, we love that, or as, as Americans anyway, we, we love that word freedom. And often we take it for granted, but does it really exist? No, not really. That's why this morning we need to hear Christ speak to us again. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. You are free from what others think because what matters is what Christ has to say about you. How he says, yeah, you're a slave to sin, but I freed you. 
You were slaves, now you are sons. You are freed from measuring up. Your self-worth is captured in your death in Christ and life in Him. You're free from the fear of working hard enough or not. You're freed from the fear that the resurrection is nothing. You're freed from the fear that this life, whatever this is, is not all that there is. In fact, he speaks of this twice. First he says, know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth that you're slave and yet you're free. Then he applies it to you again and says, you will be free because I will be the one to free you. I will be the one. So do you believe these words this morning, church? Do you trust in them? Do you need them to infect you this morning? To be with you? To live with you? Because they are yours this morning. It's what Christ gives to you. And maybe there's some law there for you. But hopefully it's a word of gospel where Christ speaks to you now and says, the Son makes you free. Thanks be to God. Amen.